Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Dangerous Rhetoric. This is episode 41. Nice. And today we are joined by Colonel Rob Manus. He's a retired uh, Air Force from 32 years in the Air Force, combat veteran, uh, Pentagon survivor, uh, B1 squadron commander, wing commander, quite a resume. Nuclear ops. Like it's quite very, a resume. Very big. And before we jump into it, though, I wanted to wish all of our viewers and supporters a very happy new year and happy holidays. You know, we hope you guys had a relatively stress-free holiday season, although we know that's probably almost impossible, but I would say it was better this year than last. So, well, welcome Colonel Rob. Uh, you can follow Colonel Rob at robmanus.com. And then on Twitter, where's he on Twitter? Or Rob, that's his name. Rob Just Manus. Rob Manus, yeah. yeah. So look him up on Twitter, you guys can find him. But yeah, welcome Rob. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um, so we were really curious. I was curious because, you know, this whole thing with the vaccine mandates, especially as pertains to the military, um, was, was crumbing up. That's actually how I found Colonel Rob was I was doing some research into the, uh, the gentlemen that have been discharged from the military because they weren't complying. And, you know, I saw he was tweeting about it. So I was like, let's let's talk to him about it. Um, now I know they, they we had normally have like a lot of vaccines that they they give to soldiers and that that's kind of standard. But this is you know it seems a little bit different because it's experimental vaccine. Um, can you just talk a little bit about your experience in the military and you know, maybe vaccinations that you got and uh, you know how how that what the situation how it seems to you right now or and why you think this situation is different. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, as I mentioned before we came on, I was a military kid, too, uh, and, uh, until I was uh, almost 14 years old. So I started my life getting vaccines from the Department of Defense. And, uh, and many of us kids, we got more vaccines than your average civilian kid because we traveled all over the place, uh, uh, spent some time in North Africa and those kind of things. So vac vaccinations are nothing new to me or my family. Uh, and, you know, and as you said, when you come in the military, you know, everybody goes through basic training of some sort. And everybody remembers the line where you hold your arm at a 90 degree angle with a cotton ball in it. And the guys shoot you with, uh, with several shots from an air, air shot, uh, inoculator into your arm until it's bleeding, you know? So you, we all are used to that. We all are used to that. Uh, what's what's different, though, is when there is something that's experimental put out uh, that hasn't been tested uh, and those kind of things. And I'll, I'll think you, you may have you may you guys may be too young to remember this, but there was a, a, a mandatory vaccination program for people going into the Middle East from the military for anthrax starting in, uh, in Desert Storm. Desert Did Shield, not know Desert that Storm, uh, in the first bill. Yeah, and uh, there's only been one. Now, that vaccine was tested, but it was new, uh, and it did cause a lot of medical problems, and that's documented. You can go to the Veterans Affairs Department's websites and research that they are giving uh, disability claims. They're approving disability claims for injuries from the anthrax vaccine. Uh, but the other thing that it did was it drove uh, certain the professions uh, to lose a lot of competent, com what we call a combat-ready 
person, and it was in the aviation community, in the Air Force Reserve and the Air National Guard. Uh, and there's a GAO study from 2001 that looked at this uh, because it's not obvious if you just look at the retention data and those kind of things, like what the what Lloyd Austin and Millie throw out today. Uh, the retention data doesn't capture this particular issue. Well, so what happened with anthrax is that the GAO study that was uh, done by Congress in 2001 showed that nearly 46% of all aviators in the Air Force Reserve and Air National Guard either wiggled their way out of a flying position, which means you lose the capability of the individual, or actually left the service altogether. And then another uh, 20% said they were going to leave the service if they were forced to take the anthrax vaccine. So that gives you a little bit of yeah, it gives you a little bit of framework of date of a database for a database discussion on this. Yeah, and, and also, difference, it goes to show too that this isn't a, like a new type of issue that the military has dealt no, with. You know, it's it's not an issue. The 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 key differences, as I mentioned, uh, the one is the obvious is it's not an approved vaccine. It hasn't been tested for decades. That anthrax vaccine had been tested uh, for a long time before they decided to use it. Uh, but it still had a, a, a detrimental impact on combat readiness uh, in, in the aviation world. Now, with this particular vaccine with COVID-19, there's several issues with it. The, the obvious one is it's not tested uh, enough to really come up to a standard of where you would just shoot it in everybody's arm in the military like we're requiring be done right now. Uh, it's just not there. The data is not there. Uh, two is the vaccine injuries with this these particular vaccines for the age group 18 to 27, especially in males, it causes myocarditis, blood clotting, some pulmonary issues, uh, uh, and 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 the, and one of the issues with those injuries is that for aviators. Uh, uh, special forces people that jump out of airplanes or, or DC yeah, dimes, all change, of those, right? yeah, all of the, all of the cardiopulmonary system. Uh, I mean, we have to carry, get certified every year. I was an aviator uh, and I, you have to get certified every year by a flight medicine doctor that your cardiopulmonary system was in perfect shape. Yeah, you know? it's related uh, to the so, commercial airlines, too, and what's happening there with the shortage of pilots. And yes. it's trying to make it seem like, oh, all these flights are getting canceled because, um, you know, weather and stuff or people are, are sick. A lot of yeah. it is these pilots are, are refusing the shots. Well, and then the other thing that you have to think about is that, you know, combat operators are in some of the most stressful, you know, intense oh, yeah. jobs yeah. That, yes. that we have. Yes. And so to, you know, and when we consider that the, 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 the injuries are most likely to occur in young men who also make up the bulk of our oh, combat, military, you know, yeah. ready yes. people. It just doesn't seem like a very good idea. So, what, what would you say to the people who, you know, fire back to your criticisms and say, oh, well, the military is all about taking orders. And whether these soldiers like it or sure. not, they're violating a, you know, a, an order from their superiors. And so what do you think about that argument in regards to this? Well, as I mentioned, I've commanded at several levels, three levels in the military, uh, which means that I have uh, at, at the high end, I had court what's called court martial convening authority. Uh, so I understand military law very, very deeply and, and have 
applied it to individuals. So you've thrown the book at people. You've thrown the book at people before. Well, well, I've applied the law. law. I mean, not all cases require the book to be thrown, but sometimes it does. Uh, And a court-martial women that you are not to follow an unlawful order. Yeah. Yeah, a court-martial is like a a pretty severe thing. Did you hear it? He's cutting out a bit. It is. There he is. He's back. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I faded it out or not. You're, you're just chopped up for a second. Uh, it's fine. Uh, here we, yeah, we got you. Yeah, yeah. So, court uh, martial is full trial. So, uh, you're protected, just like in the civilian world and everything. And in, and in another part of military justice, we have what's called non-judicial punishment, uh, and it's it's got various levels. But the issue here is with this particular vaccine is one, it's just, it's not tested, okay? Uh, so it's only approved for emergency use authorization. That calls into question the, the legality of the order itself. Uh, and, and it's a courageous thing to stand up and say, I'm not gonna follow this order because it's unlawful. But we actually train our young men and women from the very beginning uh, down to the lowest enlisted rank that you are not to follow unlawful orders. Uh, and that, it's, that it's comes what makes, from history. So it makes this country definitely unique in that sense, where you know, no matter no matter yeah. what happens politically, there will always be certain military and police who are just like, well, you know, the Constitution is the law to me. And when they see politicians who start violating that, they'll refuse to even, you know, enforce a certain law or something like that. And it, it does happen in this country, you know. And we saw it during the lockdown yes. cases too. Like I know in New Jersey when. Uh, I think it was Atalus Gym and Belmar closed down. You know, the the chief there, the police chief, they showed up to, you know, arrest these people or to shut them down and he, he refused. He got, you know, removed from his position. So it's a it's a pretty admirable thing to see that we do have people in our military and police force who aren't like total authoritarians, you know, and they're not going to just be beholden to what the politician says. They will stand up and say, oh, well, that's not very American. And although I'm supposed to follow orders, that does not seem like it's according to the values that I was taught. I'm actually fighting for. So, you know, yeah, I'll let you in on a little secret. There's yeah. a, a little secret about military leadership uh, is authoritarian types don't succeed in military leadership. Interesting. Uh, and, uh, most of us that succeed uh, and you're talking about 1% of 1% uh, of the folks that get selected to do those jobs. Uh, 99.9% of us, we don't do the authoritarian thing because we know we have the power. Yeah. You have, you have a, an enormous amount of power that an average citizen will never wield uh, all the way up to the president. That's what makes the presidency unique too. Uh, but to be, to be authoritarian in it turns the system upside down. So, so to, to, to also point out another unique thing about this particular, these vaccines is They've all at some level used fetal, aborted fetal tissue to do either testing yes. or and they kept and they kept that uh, and that, comes, that, that that brings cool. yes they did and that brings up the the religious exemption you know now I'm vaccinated and I and it wasn't out then that that had been done with all of the vaccines that there was some or I wouldn't have taken it because I am 100 percent pro life and they knew I mean, I'm, I'm even a, I'm even opposed to the death penalty. Okay. Which That's is how, crazy. How crazy. Am, so. You know, that issue aside, they knew that is what it comes down to. And they knew that yes. people would be violating their beliefs. 
and they yeah, so, and, you know, yeah. so thank god for project veritas and james o'keefe and you know they, uh, they're yeah. doing in my opinion the lord's work because we would not know these things if it wasn't for certain real journalists like that who are like well i'm gonna put my neck on the line and get this information out there but they knew they knew that information was being tested on fetuses and they knew that if that was out there and known generally lots of people who were more conservative or more christian in their belief systems would not get these shots and that's coercion you know that there's there's nothing right about that and i think it doesn't right. have to do with the abortion issue or whether you agree or don't agree with it you are violating someone's belief system here so yeah yeah and we always have uh, an ability to apply for religious exemption yes. even for warriors you know there's conscientious objection is the most common thing heard about so there is a process to apply for a religious exemption and, and you know i took statistics and uh, with a little bit of probability in college i didn't get an a uh, but i i think i understand it and yeah. that and that it means this that if there is a religious exemption uh, set of data in the U.S. Armed Forces with, you know, two billion people, uh, that there should be some that are approved, you know, but there are zero approved religious exemptions of the thousands that wow. have been filed for across all the yeah. services. Zero. Yeah. It's particularly so, compelling, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is very compelling uh, and it's telling. Uh, you know, it's just like when they hid the, the, the fetal aborted tissue issue uh, uh, from the public. Uh, now there's no religious exemptions being approved. Uh, and good men and women that are experts in combat in their particular field are being forced out and they're being humiliated. The I'm hearing from folks that are on active duty that are being, uh, being humiliated every day by their, their leadership. Uh, and by the, the being pointed out and brought in front of people and shamed and all kinds of things that, uh, that a military center. leader like me finds abhorrent. Yeah, in the education See, I, system. I find that abhorrent. We're also finding this in the education system very similarly. It's like the teachers who don't want to do this, they're very much being ostracized in places like New York and yeah. New Jersey. And it's weird, you know, because I can see why I'm not going to say, oh, it's communism, but I can see why people are like, this looks like freaking communism here, because that's what happens in, in totalitarian regimes is like the intellectuals and, and people like that, they do come for them first and they will start to weed out all of the dissenters. And we're, we're seeing that in the education system, but now we're seeing it in the military too, where whoever refuses these shots is automatically seen as like, well, you're not woke. And it's, it's yeah. kind of, a, it, and it's true. I think the people who are refusing it tend to not be those liberal progressive Democrat types. And it almost seems like, yes, it's politically motivated to target anyone who's going to resist that way of looking at the country, right? Politically, and it's weeding them out. Yeah. And what does that mean yeah. for yeah. The, the balance of power? And the military should be a mixture of liberal and conservative and moderate and all that stuff. We shouldn't have the, a sort of system where we're, we're starting to weed out different political views and leaning yeah. the spectrum toward toward one side of the extreme that's kind of dangerous so well i have to i have to be honest and, and let you know that i don't have the data to be able to confirm what you said about it's weeding out conservatives uh but most of the ones that i see that's what i see but i also am a i'm a conservative media person that yeah. i take what o'keefe and those kind of folks do and i broadcast it you know that's because right. the media doesn't do that that's why i got into this business so so that I don't see the left as much, but I will tell you that one of the major leaders of the 
parts uh, of the stop vaccine passports of which I'm one, I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a middle of the road one, but there's Dr. Naomi Wolf and Naomi is a leftist. Yeah. Well, she started uh, out as a Biden yeah. supporter yeah. and all of that. And I, yeah. I remember when, yeah. when she, when it clicked right in the beginning of his presidency yeah. that he was going to continue all of this stuff, the lockdowns and all of that, she was like, wow, I feel, I feel duped you know, and, and have yeah. voted for this guy. And, you know, I forgive her, we forgive you now. <laughs> but yes, but, but to, but to get back to up. the military, yeah. But but to give you an understanding of what, what makes a good military is like you pointed out, having a good mix of, yeah. of people that think differently is the right way to be. That's what the U.S. Armed Forces has always been about. It's, it's a microcosm of our society, it's supposed to be. Uh, and that's important for this is the most important reason is that you have to have people that can think freely in order to be successful in the dynamic uh, uh, environment of a battle and, the, and war, because it's the most dynamic environment that, that a human being ever faces at, with the most risk, you know, your life uh, and taking other people's lives. So uh, without people that think freely, we don't stand a chance against a major armed force in a major conflict. Uh, and that's the whole idea behind having an armed force. You know, we, we train our people on the battlefield uh, at the youngest level to make their own decisions because the lieutenant or the captain or the colonel isn't ever is, is never there with them. Sometimes you know, the they command, a, too, gets broken in a certain situation and you can't well, rely on the, the higher up than you because sometimes you get disconnected or they die on the battlefield. Exactly. And you have to be able yeah. I think, to be creative enough to adapt to the changing circumstances, which is a really interesting point. You know, it's like, yeah, conservative yeah. types are better at kind of running the mechanism once it's established. But it's the more open-minded, creative types who are going to come up with new ideas or be able to adapt in a changing situation. And I think politically, the country needs both perspectives to be having the conversations. But it's when the talk. Yeah, exactly. When the talk. And I'm afraid talk, those are the. I'm afraid those are the people that are being, being pushed out. By yes, this. they are. They are. I think. Yeah. I agree. And yeah, I'm free thinkers. Colonel, uh, when were when did you retire? What year? I retired. Uh, December 1st, 2011. Okay. So you've been out for a little over a decade. Uh, so that would have been yeah. before any of the, the sort of like woke, what we call like woke ideology really started to uh, spill out of permeate into, into yeah. the military. Are you getting any, just to pivot a little yeah. bit, are you getting any sense from, you know, people that you know that are still in or from associates that like, how is that progressing or how are the, how are the, is that impacting morale and, and such? When I left the military, I had three sons, uh, one in the Army Guard, one in the Navy active duty, and one in the Air Force active duty. Uh, and uh, all three of them, the Air Force one was the youngest one. He just got off of active duty in August, and, and none of them served to retirement. Uh, and uh, usually in the American Armed Forces, uh, re people that get recruited by family members, like I did mine and my dad did me, uh, tend to stay for a career. Uh, so, and I encouraged my sons to leave the military based on what I'm seeing. And I no longer recruit. Uh, as a matter of fact, I advise people not to go into the military right now until this gets sorted out because it's very dangerous. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're, you know, we don't need American kids lives being sacrificed for this craziness. I uh, and I can, I can see it coming. I've, I've been around a while and I can see that coming if, we don't get this get on a correct pathway that that's a pretty 
bold telling thing because like you said a, a lot of times it is very uh much a tradition thing you know i found that a lot of a lot yeah. of military people i've met it was something yes that their their father did and then their father did it and it was often a tradition and it was hand it down and encourage so to find someone like you you know who's kind of discouraging it and is like yeah i don't know if you guys want to be doing that <laughs> right now so do you do things well, in, a, in an antebellum period um meaning like a pre-war type of period in our history because there are a lot of people who talk along those lines either pre-civil war or pre like grander like global type war well i will i will tell you up front that i do not advocate violence among our own people for any reason same you know I, I know what we're capable of doing i've been in charge of it uh i've used it in combat uh and uh i, I do not advocate for a civil war uh a, you know a la the 1860s yeah uh, but what i what i am very concerned about though is the fracturing of our society and i can see you can almost see and hear the split occurring on a day-to-day -day basis now, uh, if you're paying attention. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't pay attention, you know? And, yeah. and, and, uh, uh, it's, and, and that's the, that's the danger, uh, you know? Uh, someday, a lot more people are gonna wake up and realize, ooh, what's going on? And the danger there is that uh, they may not be the people like me that are professionals that, that understand what war is and then and then something kicks off uh out of the blue and it develops and snowballs into what people are talking about as a yeah. real violent civil war and, and it, it would it would be more violent than any other conflict the united states has ever been in with any other and we've used nuclear we're the only yeah. country that's used atomic <laughs> weapons so it would be more violent uh, our civil war in the 1860s, you know, we killed over 600,000 Americans all totaled. That's the bloodiest war we've ever had. That's, that's what I was about ever. to say is I think a lot of people yeah. who, you know, talk about civil war or or like divorce and secession and those sorts of things, you know, they need to understand the what they're actually saying when they say those things. And could it be done peacefully? I don't know. Personally, I don't agree. I think there will always be people who view the union as sacred. They will fight to keep it together, et cetera, et cetera. But I agree. Look back at our last civil war. And man, we didn't even have sophisticated weapons in the way we have now. So imagine how that would play out now. It was yeah. devastating, you know, and I haven't studied it deep, deep, but I've studied it in depth enough and seen enough footage and photos to know that, you know, it was devastating. It ripped families apart. And you were yeah. seeing that yeah. geographical divide develop now, which is very concerning. And I understand why it's happening, but I've never seen it so obvious. You know, we're, we're seeing a political divide that started off as kind of just ideological, but at least cities and places and states were kind of mixed still turning yeah. into an actual real geographical divide because people are swapping over from state to states based on the lockdown policies. And so that, that divide is becoming very more yeah. real in a physical geographical way. And I think that's why it's a yeah. concerning time for the country right now. It's very, it's very concerning because the majority of the people that understand how to fight wars are not on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> True. Okay. Uh, and, and, uh, and my brothers, my old, only two, one of my other four brothers uh, serve besides me, uh, but we all are from an area of the country where, I mean, let's just put it this way. 
I'm the ninth generation of service since the American Revolution on the Manus side of the family. Wow. Uh, and, uh, uh, and of course, my sons went ahead and served too. So we have 10 generations uh, that have served since the American Revolution. Uh, and, uh, you know, it doesn't matter whether any of my relatives have ever, ever put a uniform on. That's not how we think. We think like the original uh, revolutionary Americans that, yeah. Yeah, you know, if the time happens. I have a couple uh, of great, and, great, 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 great grandfathers yeah. on my dad's dad's side who, yes, fought in the revolution. Yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah. And then so my, those, mom, my mom's a Cuban immigrant. So I'm like, you know, I'm half, half Americana as apple pie and then half, you know, yeah. generation Cuban immigrant. So yeah. and you don't you get more American than that. So. You should have your mom on your show to talk about communism. Yeah, I mean, she's told uh, and me. Why, you know, and why she's had, here. <laughs> well, her father, her father had land. Yeah, he had a farm, all that stuff. You know, Castro yeah. repossessed it and, and took that from him. And he was thrown in jail for a bit for, like, feeding poor people from, you know, his own crops. And she was in the womb yeah. at the time all that happened. And she has cerebral palsy. So that could be one of the reasons well, that it let's, happened. Uh, let's pivot a little yeah. bit. I wanted to ask Colonel Rob what he thought. So we have seen, you know, mostly from what I've seen from the Democrats is not a whole, I mean, and I used to be a Democrat. I was very, I'm, I'm generally kind of liberal. I, mean, I call myself a moderate, um, but uh, I have, you know, a lot of liberal, liberal tendencies. And I feel like that the Democratic Party is no longer a liberal party, that they are kind of fully fleshed out communists. They just kind of want everybody to obey them. They're operating under this sort of delusion that if everybody just obeyed them, they'd usher in utopia, whether it's, you know, with regards to equality or whether it's regards to, you know, the, 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 the coup, yeah. the call. Except Tulsi. Well, Tulsi's, yes. Tulsi's just the exception. Um, but it, specifically with regards to Afghanistan, the way that we left there, it just seemed so traumatic and, and so mismanaged yeah. and just a kind of a really good yeah. example of how the Democrats, you know, sort of talk a big talk, but they don't actually have the policy to, you know, to back it up. Uh, I was just wondering what your thoughts on our withdrawal from Afghanistan were and if uh, you had any ideas about ways that it could have been handled a little bit better. Yeah, let me be clear. Uh, I was adamantly advocating strongly to leave Afghanistan uh, long ago. My last combat deployment was as a squadron commander, so I had tactical command of a B-1 squadron, uh, and we provided combat, you know, close air support, combat bombing uh, against the enemy there. Uh, and in mid-2005, our outbrief for my deputy and I to the two-star Air Force general was, hey, we don't have a strategy. It's time to go. We defeated these these guys uh, early on. It's time to go. Uh, at the time, President Bush had stopped looking for Osama bin Laden and was not hunting him. So there was no reason for us to be there. Yeah. Now, and, and that's sorry, a, that, sorry that's about a, that, guys. That's no, a okay. that was, that's a controversial position to have taken. Did you get backlash for for that? No, just got ignored. Got ignored. <laughs> that, you know, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that was in mid two thousand five. So the tactical commanders were being ignored, uh, and that's what happens when you go into long term conflict. Uh, and that was at the beginning of the step beyond uh, a necessary conflict. And uh, and uh, uh, and into a long term. Let's make you know this place in the, uh, a democracy. Uh, blah 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 in our image and all that stuff. And uh, and that is 
where the opportunity was for them to listen to the tactical commanders. You know, it seemed like Afghanistan was not going to become a democracy, not even overnight or over 10 years, just due to the the cultural differences and, you know, democracy really has to be grown from the ground up. It has to be, you know, something the people themselves want. And just given the, the, the cultural differences there, it wasn't something that was going to happen. It wasn't feasible at all. Yeah. Well, look how quickly the band took back over, you know, as soon as we pulled out. So, and and all those years we were there, all that training and it's like, wow, it fell in a day, you know? So yeah. I, I agree with yeah, you. I think, I think the pullout should have happened a long time ago. And, you know, this was dragged on way too long. And it, and it got to the point where, you know, we had this unceremonious just, we're leaving. And all these people got caught in, in the crosshairs, yeah. uh, you know, left over there, all types of horrible things. And, you know, I, yeah, it wasn't think they could have been strategically done better. That's my opinion. But I think overall, it was inevitable. There was no way we were going to stay there forever. So this was coming regardless of how it went down. I think it was just inevitable. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It was inevitable. Uh, and, uh, and President Trump was right. Uh, and he was really the only president because he wasn't connected to all this government elitism uh, his whole life. Uh, and that's why he was able to start the ball rolling. Yeah. Unfortunately, what you saw was a transition to a guy and that had been, has been in office for 50 years. So he is nothing but a government person uh government people don't understand the concept of uh how to withdraw appropriately from a conflict when you've been there for 25 years and not made the right they also uh, build their careers their careers and their reputations are built around these conflicts too you know it's the same thing with like say a scientist has a certain theory and they've been you know touting that theory for years and years and supporting it and lecturing and then some new information comes out that proves that theory untrue a lot of times it's hard for that scientist to let go of the theory they've built their career around which well, has now seemed, been shattered, well, it, you know, it seems something that he, like that. He knew, even Joe Biden himself has said, you know, that we needed to leave Afghanistan, but it, it wasn't so much that we needed to get out so much as the manner with which he withdrew yeah. just seemed terribly incompetent. Like it was, I have yeah. like, I mean, wouldn't his, you would think he has military advisors, he has generals, he has admirals. Um, and it just seems like, you know, they would have given him the advice that would have been appropriate and it, it just seems like he ignored them. Like, I don't, it, I don't understand I think how that could they be bungled it. it so bad. He could have just ignored them. Like Rob, you know, Robert said, same thing with him in yeah. the situation in 2005, you know, you can give those tactical, that advice. They're not always going to follow the advice though. At the end of the day, the politicians aren't. Well, then we, we lost, well, well, you know, of our, yeah, ultimately the president's the commander of the military. So, yeah. you know, as a commander, I always sought out different opinions about a situation if I was going to have to make a grave decision should do yeah, yeah. And, and then I would make the decision well not everybody that gave me advice I agreed with you know so their their advice might have been ignored or tempered or whatever in my in my own decision uh, while others would be used in the decision uh, that's just the way it works uh, but so it's Biden's you know uh, power to be able, you know, his, his right to, as a commander to be able to ignore some advice and take others. I mean, that's, that's what that's all about. The issue, though, with the Afghanistan withdrawal itself wasn't the leaving. It was the, you know, in the 2nd of July of last summer, those of us that are professionals saw a thing happen 
And the thing was that uh, the uh, Bagram Air Force Base was abandoned in the middle of the night without telling our allies. Hmm. Now, Bagram, Bagram Air Force Base was the key strategic logistics and air combat hub locally in the country for the allies. Uh, and it was, it, it was a previous Soviet Union air base that we had taken over when we first invaded. So uh, to abandon Bagram and, and then force the military to use the civilian airport uh, in Kabul, which is where the 13, uh, 12 Marines and one uh, Navy person were killed, un totally unnecessarily, by the way, uh, in my opinion, uh, was yeah, tragic. That was the, that was the, the, the order that happened. And it was a bureaucratic order uh, that occurred back in somewhere between March and May from the president of the United States that told the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, you make a plan. And part of that plan is you're abandoning Bagram. You're getting out of there. Uh, do what you got to do to do it. And we'll just use the civilian airport to, to uh, evacuate folks. But, you know, they forgot the, the old the number one rule in warfare is that the enemy always gets a vote. Hmm. The enemy always gets a vote. And if you don't count account for that in your decision-making and your logistics and your, your maneuvers and those kind of things, if you don't try to address that issue, then you get caught flat-footed. And that's exactly what, we, what happened. Interesting. In August. Speaking of. And the professionals predicted it. Speaking of votes. I think that maybe this is appropriate time to pivot into the dangerous pivot? zone. Do I pivot into our last election, and perhaps we can chat about <laughs> it a little bit, and we can talk about one six too, because I we we went but down. That, we did that. we did go down to DC because we, we wanted to witness. Down. We wanted to talk to people. It was before we had the the, the show. But well, we, it was it was around when we decided we were going to do this show. And one of the things we knew, you know, when we heard right. that protest happening and all that, we're like, all right, well, we know something's going to happen. We don't know what, but we know whatever happens, the media is going to lie about it. <laughs> so Brent was really adamant about going down there. And I was like, I don't know, Brent, this sounds like a bad idea. Everyone told us yeah. bad idea. He was adamant, so I wasn't going to let him yeah. go alone. So, yeah, we, we, we went up there, talked to people, recorded some videos. And wow, what an interesting day that turned out to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, we actually yeah. saw some of the guys going through the crowd trying to herd protesters in order yeah. to go up to the Capitol and First to go inside. Capitol, come and, on. you know, we were just shaking our heads yeah. like, that's a bad idea. Like, yeah. you shouldn't break any laws. Like, the whole point of yeah. peacefully protesting under 1A is to do so peacefully. And yeah. it, look what they did. They, you know, the, And there were probably hundreds of thousands of people there that day. And it was a lot. A small minority yeah. ended up doing things that they shouldn't have, uh, and and the media sort of ran with this yeah. narrative, and and that was the day that the you know stop the steal narrative basically became inverted, and so you know they banned Trump off of social media, you know it, it suddenly became yeah. not about the improprieties and about the irregularities that were being witnessed and, and discussed, which but, were legit, you know legit questions that people had. Yeah how all of that played out and if you talked to anyone there that was why they were there they're you know for the most part as far as we know that was why they were there yeah thought it was shady yeah. they thought you know we need to audit this we need to really look at that and they weren't there to overthrow the government that's but for I'm sure. very <laughs> curious what you know somebody with with your experience uh has to has, has to think about the subject yeah. 
Well, number one, uh, look, I, I, I try to apply common sense to things and uh, uh, go back to my little college uh, uh, statistics class that I got a, a B in. Uh, and, and some of the things I do remember and I picked up, and that is uh, if, some, if a number outcome doesn't make sense, there's something not right. Uh, and uh, if you believe that Joseph R. Biden actually got 81 million popular votes in this country, uh, the, uh, based on the campaign he ran, and I've run three political campaigns, two of them statewide, so I know what it takes yeah. to get your word out and your message out. If you really believe that, then you may need to have your head examined, quite honestly. Uh, but, but, but that doesn't say, that's not to say that, uh, uh, that what happened on January 6th was right for those few people that did the wrong thing. Uh, I, I'm very angry about that because they took the opportunity to address the issues that we had uncovered between November 3rd and January 5th away from the people's representatives when that happened. So and, I think that was uh, the point. That's, I mean, that's what Brent and I kind of got the impression of. We, we felt like they wanted something to happen to then illegitimize that entire thing and all i know is you know the next day that 10 foot fence was up around the capitol and it could have been there the day before but it wasn't i've also so, i've gone yeah, it's, uh, sorry. Go uh, I, was, I was just gonna say i've gone down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole on on the subject and looking into what the fbi was getting into with governor whitmer and how they had sort of uh, entrapped a bunch of, shall we say, uh, not super intelligent individuals into behaving <laughs> in ways that would, you know, subject them to arrest. It seemed very, very similar. And one of the key agents that was involved in that bust, in the, the kidnapping plot bust, they moved him right to D.C. shortly before January 6th. And then lo and behold, you know, he becomes yeah. head of in, char in charge of these things. And so I'm not sure what your thoughts are about yeah. the involvements of, you know, particular alphabet agencies or anything. But uh, it just seems to me that there's just a little bit too much suspicion yeah. to just think that, you know, this is all just yeah. the chips falling yeah. where they are. Crowd psychology is also very, very powerful. And I think, you know, just understanding that if you rile people up and also people want to feel like they're part of something there's there's a lot of of it's very easy to get swept up into the excitement of a moment like what happened on that day so i think that's part of what happened yeah. as well but you know despite the illegality of it and the fact that like you said it, it really ruined our chance to kind of address the actual questions that people were there to protest for well that's what got interrupted is was the the representatives yeah. were going to debate the issue sure. and then you know because of the potential for security breaches they had yeah. to hurt everybody out of the room but at the end of the day what i was going to say is you know it's it, we do have to address the disparity in how the media covers these things obviously because those people are, they targeted one building the government they targeted the government they didn't go burn businesses down they didn't destroy people's property in that sense you know so whether we agree or disagree the context in which it happened is much different than say the summer of riots that we saw and in, in, in the previous you know before all of that happened and i think that's what what people are more angry about at least me in particular i find is it's just disingenuous the way they cover these things and they try to act like oh well this was an insurrection it's like no it was a bunch of angry people that got riled up by who knows what there were no guns you know these people weren't armed they they you know yeah. 
we, as I said, we know that crowd. And if that was going to be an insurrection, we would have showed up properly. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, you know, worst insurrection ever. You know, suck. Uh, it's like yeah. all the former uh, military people and, and police people there, you would think they would have actually showed up to do an insurrection, you know, instead of the one car which left its bomb and its and its gun in there. Like who who comes to a, an insurrection with your bomb and your gun in your car and then you just leave it there? You know? Well, to get to the alphabet agency question, yeah. Uh, I, I, if you haven't read uh, Darren Beatty's work at Revolver News, uh, he's, he's done some very in-depth work on, on the Wither Ditch. Oh, yeah, no, I've read the, the Revolver article. Yeah, I've read that What's one. What's his last name? Beatty? Beatty. Yeah. Beatty. Darren Beatty. You should read it from the beginning to the latest because he's he, he makes a very compelling argument, but it's not just an argument. It's backed up with facts because the video evidence is factual, you know, uh, and, and once you understand the context of what's happening, uh, you can see through the video captures uh, and hear the audio. Of some of these people, you know, you probably, you guys have probably heard of Ray Epps, uh, uh, and, uh, but there are others uh, that were encouraging the crowd to go forward into the Capitol and all that. None of them have been charged with anything. Yeah. And they're all identifiable. Uh, and it gets me back to my favorite thing. I, I don't know if you mentioned it, but my first job in the Air Force was in bomb disposal. Uh, and one and my, and my most irritable uh, <laughs> issue with those with the what's happening is they haven't caught the person that planted the two pipe bombs. Yeah. And what is that? Uh, they were planted that is something. Yeah. Both the person is on video on a cell phone in that area. There's no yeah. way we don't know who that is. Wow. So it makes it, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Look, I didn't serve in the military for 32 years and be successful by being a conspiracy theorist, yeah. but I do go with the facts, you know, and the facts are there. If you just, uh, if you open your mind and look at the facts that are being presented. There, there are uh, a lot of legitimate questions that I think should yeah. be asked and it's not a conspiracy thing to do it so one of the one of the stories we've covered about this is john sullivan i don't know if you're familiar with him um he he was yeah. the guy who we you know later found was actually present at certain black lives matter protests as well and he yeah. he was on i think cnn and i think it was cbs but cnn immediately interviewed him right after these events happened as a witness yeah. and it turns out yep. later when you watch the entire footage, it was cut, obviously, you know, and his, his footage of Ashley Babbitt is the best footage that they got. When you watch the yep. entire footage leading up to him getting in the building and stuff, he was rallying those people up the entire time. It's yes. almost like he was assigned to be there to not just record, but to like entice people and to, to make something happen so they could get something to then broadcast yes. it all over to the country. And that's what we saw. He did get arrested. You know, he got paid, I think it was like 70 grand between the two news stations for his footage. Got arrested. Yeah, but he only got he, he only got, got arrested after independent media yes. called it out made yes. a, and made an issue out of it. And released yeah. later. So it's like, yeah. what, the, what the hell is that? You know? He's, he's not he's not languishing in the DC gulag yes. like uh, like the other people are yeah. that are uh, predominantly yes. white males and females, quite honestly. He was saying, uh, burn this shit down, is what he was saying. He was yelling at, burn this shit down, you know, all that stuff. And he was right he was. there. He was saying, people, come on. Yeah. Right there yeah. to capture the best footage of, of the Ashley Babbitt shooting, too. What are the chances of that? And then immediately he's on the news yep. getting interviewed, and he's walking free. Like, what the hell is going on, you know? You guys know who, uh, you know who Taylor Hansen is? Taylor yes. Hansen. 
He's uh, yeah, I, I interviewed I interviewed Taylor. He was standing right next to Solomon. I, I was following his live tweets during the event, uh, and, and he said, "There's a gunshot," uh, and right, you know, shortly after that, I, I oh, got that the interview. You can he go was back. Was on Shaker show, right? He was, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so you know, my interview with him is is an hour long, and uh, it's worth taking a look at too. You can go back on Rumble or YouTube. For sure. sure, maybe we'll maybe yeah. we'll reach out to him too and see if he wants to come in here and chat with us. But yeah, you know, th- those events yeah. were they were insane, and what but what's insane to me is is certainly how they've been used by the media, by the Democratic establishment and stuff, and. It's just, it's disingenuous, you know, and I think we need to look at it in a more fair, logical way and not paint it in this extreme way where it's like, oh, it was an insurrection. It's like, no, it was, it was an angry mob who got pissed off during a protest and riled up by some people. And then that, that's what happens. I mean, it was a relative. And we still don't, we still don't know why they got angry. Exactly. But, you know, look you at know? it this way. What do you expect is going to happen when not only do you have a very suspicious election that played out, probably the most suspicious one I've ever seen in my life, but you've locked the country down for a year. You've destroyed people's yeah. businesses. You've demonized every single conservative right person as like the devil. Like you, what do you expect is going to happen? And that was kind of how I viewed the events. And, you know, Brent and I lost so many friends. Like, we had people who just cut us off, stopped talking to us just for being there. I didn't even vote for Trump. He yeah. didn't. I didn't. I'm very independent. Like, and yes, they stopped talking to us and they cut us off and we're like, we're the devil now. We're insurrectionists. And it's just like, okay, well, that's going to help the country heal. Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's the, you know, beyond the, I, I'm a, I'm very angry that we, the, Congress and the Senate didn't get a chance to talk about the issues and get them in front of the yeah. American people before the counting of the electoral votes. That's what should have happened. Exactly. Okay. Uh, and uh, but on the on the on the continuing downstream from that event, you mentioned the media coverage, and not, it's not just the media; it's the media working in concert in concert with the Democratic Party and the establishment Republicans inside big the tech. DC swamp and movement. and big tech. Uh, yeah, big tech, big tech so, to, to make a story that's not true and to demonize over half the population of the United States. And this gets back to that that national divorce discussion, civil war discussion. Uh, look, uh, I dare you, not you guys, but I dare anybody to try to make me into a terrorist. But I get called a terrorist, a Nazi, a bigot, a racist all the time because I'm opposed to the way the people that have been arrested it, on, on January for the January 6th issues are being treated. And I'm opposed to all the Americans that have been treated poorly, whether they've been arrested or not. They've been tracked through airports. They've been put on no fly list just because their phone signal was there. Uh, and, and all kinds of things. That's un-American. That's what I fought for. Uh, I don't care if they're Republicans or Democrats or independents or libertarians. That is un-American. And I'm getting called a terrorist and an insurrectionist and a racist and a bigot for standing up and, and talking about it. Uh, and my record is very clear. You know, I never had for a full colonel to leave a major command position like I did in the Air Force and not have at least one inspector general complaint against them that was still open. Uh, I don't have one complaint against me in my entire career from anybody about race or sex or any of that stuff, you know? Well, you're, uh, you're on a show right now talking to two gay men. So I would say you're, you're a pretty, uh, you're pretty open-minded. 
you know what? And you know what? And, and I told you guys, I'm a strong, I'm a strong, I'm a strong Christian. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I didn't know you guys were gay, and I don't care. Well, we don't tell everyone. Most of our viewers know. But there's a what I care about. What I care about is that that you're Americans. You know, and you and Americans have certain rights and responsibilities. You know, and if our government is abusing us, then our rights, uh, it is our responsibility to stand up to that government uh, in the legal ways that we have to do that. Yes. Uh, and, and that's the that is the the uh, egregious nature of the downstream media propaganda establishment politicians, all of that, the agencies, that is the issue. Because if you demonize me, you radicalize me. Yes. You know, one of the reasons I recommended our country leave Afghanistan in 2005 is because I know that we're creating little terrorists in the five-year-olds whenever we kill their sister or their mommy or their daddy or or blow their foot off. I've mentioned that on this show quite a few times, actually. It's like, you know, think about it. Put yourself in those people's positions. Say you're, you know, you're a young man and you just found out your whole family was bombed to smithereens and all you have left is the Quran. Like, of course, you're probably going to turn, you know, to a radical. Some imam is going to be like, hey, well, join our cause, you know, and you're going to be more likely to participate in that. It's the same thing with this. You know, it's like, we yeah. need to stop the demonizing and the 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 assumptions about what people are based on whether or not they're more conservative or liberal or gay or straight or, yeah. or black or white. It's like, you know, like you said, you're a more conservative Christian yeah. type. You know, I'm very moderate, spiritual kind of. I mean, I'm not. I don't practicing one religion, but we are open to having these conversations because I think we have those shared values. Like you said, we're Americans. You know, we think there are certain things about this place that work for the most part, yep. and should be preserved and stay that way. It doesn't mean we don't think there's no room for improvement and, and room to, say, heal the old wounds in the country with race and all of that stuff. It just means that we think there are certain things that are, like, sacred-ish and have, you know, they've worked so far and they've allowed us to be in the position that we're in right now to even have any power to stand up to our government, you know, which is an amazing, beautiful thing. Like, look at Australia, look at Austria right now, look at what some of these other countries are going through, like Canada, like they have no means to even make their government scared of them. If anything, I'd rather have these politicians a little shaken up. So I'm not saying I agree with the events of Jan 6 and that how they played out, but I'm not going to lie and say that I wasn't a little satisfied that some of these politicians were shaking in their boots. You know, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I, I have no problem at all with them uh, shaking in their they boots. They should be. They uh, need to remember uh, who do they, they serve. You know, they should be afraid of the American people because of what they've done to us. That's why they should be afraid. And we will never give up our guns. We will never give up our right to speak, to to uh, to uh, seek redress from our government. Uh, We will never give that up. Uh, And what they are trying to do to us is why they should be afraid because they are trying to do exactly that. And it's unbelievable for somebody like me, guys, to sit back and go, how the hell did this happen? I spent 30 something years of my life protecting it from happening, you know? And then seemingly overnight in a decade, I sit back and go, wow, this is gonna take some work. 
you know, I hope I have enough time left in my life to, to, to help do the work. Yeah, it's like things really uh, got crazy around 2015, 2016. And since then, you know, we had them. And yeah. I'm wondering how much of it has to do with the impact of social media on culture, because it seems like as social media sort of rose to dominance, we've seen more radicalization or like really polemization as people kind of uh, move towards the extremes of the poles. Echo chambers, that sort of thing. Well, and, yeah. and again, we know that, you know, Twitter, like just banned, you know, they just permanently banned Marjorie Taylor Greene, who, you know, say what you want about Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, she's a firebrand, she's a conservative, she's got some pretty outlandish opinions. I don't think anything she did, you know, and the same thing with Donald Trump, I don't think anything that they've said online warrants a, you know, complete ban, you know, yeah. frankly, as far as I'm concerned, you know, we shouldn't really ban people from speaking in the public square unless their speech is somehow violating the law and then in that case the law can handle it so it just yeah we, we've uh, one of the issues you just brought it up is that we have not defined the social media adequately as the public square we haven't defined that environment as the public square adequately in the law and that's why these corporations are able to get away with it uh, and I agree with you. I mean, I don't agree with everything Donald Trump said. I, I didn't really like a lot of his tweets, but, you know, he's Donald Trump and, and he was the president of the United States. And he has a right to say his opinion. Yeah. Uh, Green, same way. Green is the same way. I actually agree with a lot of what she says. I mean, I don't agree with what the media blows up about it. But when you look at the facts, you know, I, I can agree with almost everything that she talks about because she's talking about what we talk about, rights and and the things that are good about the country uh, and those kind of things. Look, no, no conservative American thinker wants to take a, uh, somebody in the Democrat Party out and, and have them beat in public because they disagree with them and all that. But I'll tell you what, the communists in the Democrat Party do want to do that. It's very true. Yeah, well, yeah that's, 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 that's just the way it is. That's, the way, that's where we're at. Yeah, that's where we're at. You know, scary thing. Uh, and that's scary. That's scary to a professional warrior because well, it's also uh, not new I, either. It's not new either. Look, our, our history no. is pretty rife with some <clears throat> fiery situations in our government. You know, fists have been thrown in the halls of Congress and things have been, you know, thrown. And, and, and it's just yeah. it's not unheard of Painting. that we've had these tumultuous uh, <laughs> situations in our country's government. Not, not at all. Not at all. Caning. People used to duel. People used to be. I challenge you to a duel, and that was how they resolved things. <laughs> I think Pres I think Andrew Jackson hit somebody with his cane yeah, uh, you know. somewhere. Uh, well, it's saw like, a couple of guys on the house on the house floor got in a fight with their canes. I believe. I mean, it's it's not unusual. It's not uh, unusual. You know, America has always had this uh, fiery kind but, of government. Yeah, but but even with our Civil War guys. The people on both sides of the Civil War still thought they they thought they were fighting for what the founders created. Yeah. Even on both sides. That's what's kind of weird about that that war. Uh, when you look at the context of it and the context of slavery and everything. Uh, but I got to thinking day before yesterday, and I was thinking about all this corona tyranny type stuff. I call it the COVID tyrants uh, that people are doing. And I got to thinking about the Civil War and because one of the things that I studied about slavery in America is uh, my very first college paper was written about Thomas Jefferson and, 
how uh, how he had put the abolishment of slavery in the Declaration, and it was removed uh, uh, by the drafting process yeah. because it was not a politically doable activity. But when you think about the two contexts of slavery and leading up to the Civil War, and then what we're seeing right now with people and human beings and and how they're behaving. I start to realize how, why it was so hard and it took 600,000 deaths to finally end the institution of slavery, even though the war really didn't start over ending, you know, with a goal of ending it, it did. You Uh, you made a good point. uh, It did. did. Does that make sense? Yeah, it it does. I've heard this. What scares me about COVID tyrants. I've heard this criticism of the, as a as a criticism of the founding before. What you said, um, oh, you know that they didn't include slaves in there. The founding just benefited white, you know, landowners, et cetera, et cetera. And what a lot of people don't realize is, if the issue of slavery was left on the table during the revolutionary times, we would have lost the war, and there would be no United States of America. It sounds crazy, but it, it's it's true because the issue was too controversial still at the time. And what the point was is they needed to unify the colonies. They did not want to alienate the other colonies who were maybe more slave owning from the cause, which at the time the focus was, all right, overthrow the king. We'll worry about the other stuff later. Right now, we need to overthrow the king. How can we do that if we don't unify? So they needed, they took that that cause off the table. And it makes sense in the context of the whole war. So and that's that's also yeah, the union is sacred, though, and why like Lincoln fought the war to try to restore the union, because that was how we became a country was uniting. So the union yeah. breaking up yeah. was like, God, I, I'm a failure. That's how Lincoln looked at it. He's like, I'm a failure as a president. The union just broke up. I need to put it back together. It's the most sacred thing. And and it all goes back to the Federalist anti-Federalist debate. And it's been there from the very beginning. And it's in a lot of ways, yeah. we're still having today. Yes, it's the same thing, you know, bigger government or smaller government. And that's always what it's come down yeah. to. Like people say, oh, the Constitution protects you from the government. Well, no, the Constitution lays out the exact powers the government has already. And then when yeah. the anti-Federalists looked at it, they were like, oh, well, all this does is give all the powers to the government and says what they can do, but you left this out and this and this and this. What about these things? And that was how we had the Bill of Rights. So there's two foundings. And I think yeah, that's not emphasized in, in, in the education system. When I was growing up, that was not something I totally understood. You know, they teach it as one founding. It wasn't. It was two. Well, the reason why I researched Jefferson and the, and the, the issue of slavery in the Declaration of Independence was because I wasn't taught it. That was a question yeah. that I had, you know, uh, but now that I know that uh, and I understood it from a political perspective to get the votes, they wouldn't have been able to keep that in there. Yeah. And, and if you look at the Constitution and the way it laid out the three fifths uh, of a person, it wasn't about denigrating the, the black men and women that they were talking about it was about restraining the power of the slave owning states yeah uh, is what that was really about and it was the next step in the evolution from the declaration to the creation of the united states uh in an evolution to try to end the institution mm-hmm. it was uh, a positive. Of slavery a positive you, yeah it was a positive it was a I positive mean, but, I can but, see why but now Jefferson is though. removed from yeah. New York City Council's Paul, yeah. where he stood for 184 years, and he's the man that actually wrote the abolishment yeah. of slavery into the draft of the Declaration. If we can't, if we can't heal wounds without destroying ourselves, then we're not going to heal that wound. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, and a lot of, and, and that's one of the things that, again, like the, the communist leaning Democrats don't really, they aren't interested in how Jefferson basically set up the uh, abolishment of slavery with, uh, with the way that he worded the Declaration of Independence and the way the Bill of Rights was laid out. They're not interested in any of that. They just want to be able to manipulate the audience such that, you know, they'll say anything. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't have to be rational. It doesn't have to be reasonable. It doesn't have to be the truth. And that seems to be the yeah. fundamental difference between people that are on that side of the political spectrum and, and the rest of us, which and it, the interesting thing about yeah. the rest of us is that we are very diverse yeah. in terms of our beliefs and political alignments, but we seem to agree that discussion is paramount, that the, there is value to human life, and that you can't just steamroll over people who disagree with you because, you know, we were founded on enlightenment principles and this idea that you have the right to speak your mind and the right to discuss things and to come to some sort of amicable resolution, you know, through democratic means. Yeah. Well, I think that's why we've been we've had just better luck talking to people more on the right or conservatives and stuff. And and what it comes down to is like they mostly the ones I've encountered, they don't try to force me to like be a Trump supporter or to be a conservative. They're willing to have these discussions. They're like, oh, well, you agree with freedom. We can have a talk. You know, we have some similar values. But the Democrat side, yeah. the liberals, the radical SJWs, the Antifa people, it's you must hate Trump. And if you don't actively hate him, you are on their side. doesn't matter if you like him yeah. or not. You just, you, you must actively hate him and be actively resisting him. So they don't want to talk. They're, they're more unwilling to sit down and have a discussion with us. They're more likely to call us names and you're a self-hating gay. You have internalized homophobia. You're, you're supporting a racist, evil homophobe guy who wants to revoke your rights and all that stuff. Et cetera, you know? et cetera. But my point is that's not what I've experienced from Trump side, Trump supporters. I've experienced people who were more willing to talk to me and have a discussion. And, you know, we're glad that I at least didn't view them as Nazis. <laughs> and whereas the other side, it's like, the other side, it's like, well, you must view that side as Nazis. If you don't, then you're not with us either. And I'm like, okay, well. Well, yeah, that's, a, that's interesting. I, I agree with you in part on that. Uh, but I will tell you that, uh, first of all, my guidepost is not left or right. My guidepost is American classical liberal. That's, okay. that's the way I see myself. When I, when I look at myself in the mirror, uh, I, I try to use the, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States with the Bill of Rights as the mirror to reflect back at me and think about it in a non-party ideological way. I like because that. Because I don't believe the founders put ideology into those values that they wrote down and created us. They put uh, they put uh, philosophy. Yeah. They put uh, what they knew, what they thought was right, like, uh, like that. because I, because I'm born, I have certain rights that the government has no business messing with, you know, those kind of ideas, but they didn't put partisan stuff in there. And, and I'm glad they did because I hate political parties. I've been a Republican since I was 18, but uh, except for a short period when I left the party a couple of years ago over a, over a governor's race here, uh, uh in Louisiana. Uh, but, uh, the political parties are ideological. And I will tell you, you know, uh, when I was running for the U.S. Senate in 2016, when Trump was running, it was my second uh, Senate race here in Louisiana. I got invited to a college Republicans event. And the headliner 
was a guy named Milo Yiannopoulos. Oh, that guy. You guys know who Milo is? We've chatted about him. You know who Milo is? Yeah, yeah we're familiar. Yeah. Uh, now, this this occurred. So I was invited by the, the head of the college Republicans at LSU to the event. Uh, other candidates were invited to. Of course, I knew my people were going to be in that event because at the time, Milo had not been outed with that whole the whole stuff that happened a few months later. With Did they the, cancel that, that event? Thing with the pedophile stuff. This was before. Okay. No, no, that event went on. It, it, it was an event where he, he, I'd never seen him do this. He dressed in drag to do the right. speech. Interesting. You know, he's an actor. He's, he's yeah. an actor and he's an entertainer. Right. Uh, and he's Brit. He's British and he's gay and he's married uh, to a gay man. Uh, and he's coming to the United States. To, it was a Trump campaign event. Uh, you know, so and he's coming to the United States to defend free speech. Really. Uh, and so at the end of the event, when I walked into the event, there was like 1,100 people in the room. And when people started recognizing me, uh, I knew my people would be in there because, you know, a lot of folks probably your age group, uh, maybe a little older. Uh, and, and I have a lot of voters that have voted for me in that age group. Uh, but anyway, he, so he, he did a great, it was a great, funny uh, 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 program. It made the point, and I got the medium afterwards. And they, they took a picture of me uh, with him in drag. And what I was saying to him was in that picture when I was talking to him, I was shaking his hand. I said, "I said it was an interesting show. I wasn't expecting you to be dressed like this. Thank you for coming to my country and defending our free speech because we need it. And I'm, I'm shocked that it took a British gay man to do it. And, I, and then I said, and I'm praying for you and your family." Uh, you know, that you have the strength to endure all of this kind of thing. Uh, and, uh, uh, and that picture was used in a political campaign against me by Republicans to hurt my family. Wow. Well, um, it goes to show, you know, the, the extreme can yeah. come from both sides too, you know, not. Yeah. So I just wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to, I agreed with you in part, you know, uh, on what you said yeah. about the, the left and the right. Uh, but it's not totally that way. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, you know, I definitely don't think that, you know, I know there are conservatives and, and people out there who obviously would not be cool with Brent and I, or would probably wouldn't even want to chat with yeah. us and stuff. But for the most yeah. part, you know, my experience has been, they're more willing to talk. And yeah. that, that's ultimately what I respect, you know, anyone's religious belief or whatever, as long as you're, you're willing to have a conversation and be civil, you know, you don't have to like my lifestyle. You don't have to agree with it. I would never want to force that on anyone either. And I think that's right. why more of them are willing to talk to us. Cause they're like, okay, you're not, you're reasonable. You're not like yeah. one of these SJW pink haired people. Who's going to like yell at me and cancel me if I didn't use the correct pronoun or something and try to call my job <laughs> and like, get me removed. It's, you know, that's not, I, I've, stop, that's I've, I've stopped talking to people that put pronouns in profiles. So, uh. <laughs> I have a couple of and that's fine. If they want to do that, that's fine. But they, as long as they know that I might make fun of it. So, well, I just know that they're going to attack me, you know, because I, do, I, yeah. I mean, look, look, you know, science is science. You, you know, human genetics is human genetics. And, uh, uh, there's there's a xx and a xy yeah. <laughs> that's just all there is to it i'm not yeah. going anywhere else well, we, and, we uh, covered that, that doesn't mean you treat yeah. yeah that doesn't mean you treat people badly but that just it just is what it is i don't want to be treated badly for recognizing science either <laughs> exactly yeah well, and, and interestingly you know? enough it seems that you know popularly it's it seems to be okay to attack 
white people, Christian people, and males yeah. specifically. And it's, yeah. it's kind of disturbing to me because these same people that will say that we need to protect minorities from, you know, all kinds of rhetoric will come along and then they'll turn around to do the very same thing, you know, whether it's regards to men or Christians or white people or white male Christians or whatever it happens to be. And it, it just, I'm, I'm just, yeah. I don't understand how they can be yeah. so vitriolic and so mean and so, you know, against people based on, you know, a religion, a skin color or, yeah. or their gender. It's the opposite of what they claim to be about. Oh, we're, we're all for diversity of thought and all they seem to be projecting, like, you know, all of the, you know, all of the things that yeah. they claim, they just project it right onto the, you know, their chosen target group. Yeah. Very disturbing. Yeah. Yep. Um, let me see. We're coming up. Let me ask you, we've got about uh, 15 more minutes. I wanted to ask you real quickly about the Jelaine Maxwell case and Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, good one. Um, because, you know, the Jelaine, the case just got wrapped up. She's guilty on five or six charges. Hopefully she'll be going away for decades. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, from my perspective, the Epstein affair, you know, it seemed to reveal that we have at an international level and involving the alphabet agencies, again, a problem with child trafficking and, and child sexual abuse. And uh, it, it seems like they're sort of, you know, trying to tie a little bow up on it. You know, the, the, the joke going around is that she was convicted of sex trafficking, but she, you know, didn't traffic kids to anyone yeah. because there's no there's no trap there's no yeah, other great I, I tweeted the other day involved. I'm like did you hear that Jelaine Maxwell was convicted of, of child sex trafficking kids to no one yeah so it's very <laughs> very interesting so I just wanted to get your opinion you know especially given your experience uh what do you think we're are we gonna see um, more of of this stuff coming out like what do you think this is just you know very limited in yeah. scope what are your opinions on on the Jelaine Maxwell the surface or well, more to it well, they, they sealed the record after the conviction uh, in the court. So that, that tells you that there's not much hope of anything else, anybody else being held accountable. And, and that's tragic because she is the scapegoat. I mean, yes, I believe she's guilty. Uh, I believe she was wrong, but she's the scapegoat. Mm -hmm. She is the person that's being put out there to be placed in jail uh, as a criminal in this category. But the big guys that she was servicing, so to speak, and I don't mean that in a sexual way, but as in providing this, this uh, concept, uh, that, that they have to be held accountable. They have to be held accountable. And uh, they're not at this point going to be held accountable. You think that there's an uh, involvement of intelligence agencies, you know, most notably, I think the ones that are getting thrown around are the CIA and the F uh, and, the, and the Mossad, the Mossad yeah, as the, well as the FBI. So, well, the Maxwells have ties to, to the Mossad and Israeli intelligence. So. Or her father did. Her well, father. well, that, you know, there, there are always going to be connections when you have high level people like this, mm -hmm. uh, there will be connections in one way or another with government organizations. And I do believe that that is, that you're correct on that, that there are some connections probably with all of those intelligence agencies uh, uh, because Epstein was a fairly high level. He had, he, he walked around in high level circles and she did too. Uh, and you know about the Island, uh, the facts are the facts. Uh, eyewitnesses put certain really high level people there 
located there from different countries that would be connected to intelligence agencies in one way or another. Crazy, because this should be the biggest you know? story right now, the biggest story. And it is, it's crazy how they can get people to just not know about it or to just ignore it and, and focus on yeah. you know, this or that. And it just blows yeah. my mind. It's like, dude, you have like presidents, media moguls, like Hollywood people, it's like, like the some, greatest scandal yeah, of like, all time involved with a known. And sex instead, we have major media that's focusing on like a relatively minor respiratory disease. It blows my mind. And like Brett and I, we've been talking about the Epstein affair since before 2016. You know, we were talking about it back during the first election and stuff. So. Well, because they're you know, before this, he got it the second time. This isn't the first time we've had, you know, high level politicians and business people getting sort of ensnared in a child sex trafficking scandal. There's been yeah. uh, there was this event in the 80s called the Franklin scandal. Um, this guy, Nick Bryant, like literally wrote the book on it and it goes into all the details. It broke out in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, I think it was. And it showed a bunch of uh, people that were connected politically in Washington, D.C., as well as in Hollywood that were allegedly trafficking children uh, for all kinds of terrible, yeah. unspeakable things. Yep. And it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. And we and yeah. one of the reasons, you know, Brent and I started the show, too, well, especially one of the reasons Brent started his solo channel, which got nuked by YouTube. So it's gone. <laughs> was Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Criticizing the LGBTQ rights movement in the sense in that there's definitely, I'm not going to say it's, you know, obviously there's no agenda. We're not pushing that stuff, but in the political sense there, it seems like pedophiles and people like this are trying to piggyback onto that ideological movement to then say, Hey, well, we're included in this too. You know, this is a normal thing and it's our sexuality. And, and it, that's uh, taboo, you know, to be to be gay and to then start to criticize those things. They'll say, oh, well, you're furthering the stereotype that that gay men are pedophiles. And the way Brent and I view it is, well, no, by not addressing these things, by not addressing the fact that there does need to be a push onto kids of this stuff and to sexualizing kids, you're the one furthering the stereotype that we're all just a bunch of predators coming after the kids. It's like, shouldn't we want to separate ourselves from that? And, you know, I think all that stuff is related. I think politically the normalizing of, of sexualizing kids and all that stuff, it's related. It's, it's, it's these people, it's these people who hang out with Epstein, these people who hang out with Maxwell. And well, a lot of it comes from, it comes top down. Like we see articles written in the Washington post. We see, you know, recently CNN has just yeah. closed. I can't even, I've lost count how many times and <clears throat> two or yeah. three now people nuts. at CNN have totally been nuts. ensnared with, with, you know, impropriety with children. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, very yeah. And, and it's all, it's all pedophilia yeah. type yeah. stuff. So, yeah. you know, I mean, uh, the conspiracy theorists, when, when it, this first started, I first started really hearing about it during the, the Pizzagate thing. Right. Remember that in the right. Hillary Clinton campaign, you know, and I, and I looked at that and I go, man, that's, that's nutty. Uh, and, uh, but you know what? I mean, now that you see what's broken into the public, just a little bit of what we know, it makes me wonder, you know, what the heck is going on? Uh, and you guys are absolutely right. You should be speaking out against this uh, because of your lifestyle choice. I mean, that is the key. Following the law and protecting the 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 helpless is is a is not only an American tradition. It's a it's in our laws to do that. And kids are one of those helpless groups that have to be protected. Well, that's uh, you know, the mask issue too, right now. That's one of the reasons. Yeah. 
were so you know adamant against these lockdowns against the mandates and stuff because these kids can't they can't stand up for themselves they can't speak for that's themselves. right you know we are the ones who are responsible for them and what are we doing you know we shouldn't just be following along with these orders because oh the cdc said so or, or fauci or whatever it's like we're not going to ask what the repercussions of this are going to be <laughs> long term on their psyche on their on their health overall it's absurd you know yeah it's our responsibility Look, I, ser- I served in the government for 32 years or so uh, as a military person and a couple of years as a civilian uh, and there is no one no one individual less capable of of telling the public to do the right thing than a bureaucrat especially one like Fauci. He has no clue what the hell is going on. You know, the vaccines on kids and the masks on kids and all that and what we did to them, keeping them out of school, it's child abuse. I have a 17-year-old son still at home. He's my fifth child. I will not let him get that vaccine. No way will I let him get that vaccine because, A, it's not necessary based on this particular disease and but b it's experimental Uh, and i'm not putting anything in him that's experimental he's autistic already yeah you know uh and we think vaccines might have had something to do with that (laughs) in the first place Yeah. yeah but but these people in these schools and public health organizations they don't even want to they don't want to give an exception for even medical reasons and it's because they've gotten this power when people get power like this uh, and, and it's the government, it's exactly why we were designed in the United States uh, to keep it from happening, but we see it happening. So the, you know, what, what I intend to do is what I'm doing is making it public, but also working with in the law that we do have to find people to get in these offices that will operate the constitution and prevent this from happening again. And, you know, having these conversations, I think is, is the only way I think we can figure this out and get through this mess is to, you know, bring the people together who see and can agree on these points, at least, you know, we don't all have to align politically. We don't all have to vote the same way. It's like, are you pro authoritarian or pro freedom? Cause you got to pick one at this point. Like, (laughs) You can't well, yeah, I mean, that's the, that is the issue, isn't it? You're either pro, pro-freedom, which I call pro-America, yeah. classical liberal, uh, or you're totalitarian. I don't care what party you're in. Yeah. Uh, you're authoritarian or totalitarian. If you're a Nazi or a communist, you know, I call the people on the left communists because they hate it. Uh, and, uh, and I laugh when they call me a fascist because, you know, I've been I spent my whole life fighting communists and fascists and <laughs> stuff, you know, but. But you're exactly right. The choices are clear now and they become more clear as time goes downstream uh, from the events of 2020 and 2021 uh, uh, that that we have to make that choice as a people. That's great. I think that's a perfect place to wrap it up. Uh, Colonel Rob, do you want to just remind everyone where they can find you? You can find me at robmanus.com. Uh, you can subscribe to my uh, newsletter and my show right there for free. There's no no fee involved. You can find me on Facebook at symbol C-O-L Rob Manus. Uh, and uh, uh, all of my videos that I put out, I put five out a week. Uh, and I, I interview people that have the experience. Uh, we call it experience-based uh, content. So like Taylor Hansen, he experienced being right there where Ashley Babbitt was shot. So I wanted to get him on my show. You know, that's the kind of interviews we do. Uh, and we just want to put factual, good information out that people can educate themselves with.
at robmanus.com at col robmanus on twitter getter gab at robmanus yeah we got to get on getter especially because twitter might access we'll yeah see. well we'll see let's see yeah. yeah i would go i would get together uh and so you have you know you're working that account as a backup just a sure. backup. yeah for sure we, yeah. we put our episodes on rumble and people have toasted on odyssey so you know we're definitely exploring our options with that because we don't have much hope that the censorship and all of that is really going to cut back we think it's probably going to get worse so We'll see. Yeah. yeah, you can find the Rob Manus show on Rumble and YouTube still. Cool. Uh, although, although I got a strike a couple of weeks ago because I had the audacity to say that that athletes were falling, uh, falling dead on the field. Uh-oh. Uh And, and use media. It's to, happened. Uh, bad bad it's happened. You can see it. You can look <laughs> it up. It's it's disturbing, yeah. especially you know it seems yeah. to be more common in Europe with with soccer players because soccer players are also yeah. well, they run the most. They do. Yeah. They run a lot. It's a cardio. Yeah, soccer is the ultimate cardiopulmonary ath- athleticism, yeah. uh, and they're they're all mostly males in their twenties. Guess what? Those adverse effects from the vaccine. There you have it. Yeah. It's crazy. Very disturbing. Thank you for your service too, Colonel Robin. Thank you to your, yeah. your kids and, and your grandparents. I appreciate, you know, all our military people, especially when they try to do the right thing and they make decisions, you know, especially these guys that are, you know, objecting to the mandates. And I find it very admirable. Yeah. Uh, it does give me it. hope. It's like, all right, you know, we're never going to turn into a giant authoritarian military dictatorship. Great. <laughs> there are people not, if I have, thing, not, you know? not if I have anything to say about it. We're we're not. Open minds, <laughs> well, people who are very freedom and liberty minded. And, you know, we respect that. And I've always been someone very critical of war and critical of the military, but I've never been someone who's anti-military. And I respect anyone yeah. who goes through that, you know, the discipline, all of it. But thank you, man. Thanks for coming and, and talking to us, too, and giving us your Oh, you bet. You bet, guys. Uh, thanks for having me, and thank you for doing what you do. I mean, it makes me feel good to 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 get to talk and meet men and women like y'all that really believe in America and are willing to put yourselves out there to to not only say it but help others come to the or either come to or come back to what we all ought to be thinking is it's about freedom or totalitarianism. Yeah. We're the, trying, man. We've taken true. heat for it. Yeah. So we're definitely trying. That's all right. Uh, well, if you're not taking heat, you're not over the right target. So you're over the right true. target. Thank you. Yeah. Good. I think so. if you don't have the haters, <laughs> you're not something you're not doing right. You got to have people, you know, who hate it. Because I need oh, yeah. to tell the truth. It hurts. And guys, Absolutely. don't forget to like, subscribe, visit Colonel Rob, follow him, all his stuff. And oh, we'll be back again soon with another one. Thanks for yeah. watching. Happy New Year. Once Happy again. New Year. Later. Bye-bye. Happy New Year. <laughs>